You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the Word. Well, welcome to the Bonfire Podcast, everyone. We are glad that you are joining us again for this episode of the Bonfire Podcast. If you haven't done so already, we would encourage you to subscribe. You can do that by going to any of the podcast applications. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Spotify iHeartRadio, um, you name it, uh, we're, we are there. And you can go and hit that subscribe button, and then that will come directly to your mobile device uh, each week when we release our episodes, and we do those every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So I encourage you to subscribe if you haven't done so. I'd also ask you, if you um, have not taken the opportunity to mosey over to our Facebook page, uh, to please do that. That is a great place where you can go and like and share this episode. Um, just a little insight here, the algorithms that are at play in social media, likes and shares is how you get your, your content out. And so we need your help by going and hitting that like button and sharing that to uh, your your friends in order to get this message further out so that more people can know what we're doing here at the Bonfire Podcast. And then lastly, I would encourage you, hadn't done this in a, in a week or so, is to uh, email us. We'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from our listeners. You can uh, do just a couple of things if you want to. You could just send us a note just to say hello. Uh, tell us who you are, where you're listening from. Again, we'd love to give you a shout out. Maybe you have a question that you'd like to, to get an answer to. We'd be happy to email you back. Our our answer is the way that we see it uh, from our, our biblical uh, understanding of, of, of how to answer your question. Or maybe you have a suggestion for a topic that you'd like to see us cover. Um, I can tell you that uh, each each week is uh, is something that we go back and forth on as, as we try to figure out what is going to be relevant uh, to, to bring uh, to our audience. And so uh, sometimes we struggle in coming up with uh, what, what's the best place to go. And so um, if you have something you'd like to hear um, us cover, we'd love to hear from you. And again, you can uh, just send us an email at bonefireministries at gmail.com. Oh, well, Dad, um, we are going to start uh, a, a new episode here. Uh, we're not in a series. This is just going to be a standalone episode here. Right. And, mm-hmm. and then we'll, we'll probably be jumping back into a series um, maybe on our next episode, uh, looking at maybe another book of the Bible. But for right now, we're just going to do this one-off episode. And listeners, um, I have a question for you. If someone were to ask, what is America's greatest sin? How would you answer that question? Think about it for just a moment. You know, I figured some people would say, and even when I was thinking about this, maybe is it lying or stealing is is the greatest sin? And and let me preface when I say greatest sin, we all understand that sin there is no uh, scale of sin, right? There's no mm-hmm. magnitude of big sins versus little sins. This is when we're saying America's greatest sin; it's the most prevalent, the one mm-hmm. that we see happening the most uh, in our country. Um, others may say hatred or blasphemy. Yet more would say idolatry or homosexuality. But Dad, I believe America's greatest sin is probably something that most of our listeners aren't considering or thinking of. Mm -hmm. Uh, For I believe that America's greatest sin is idolatry. Uh Soon after Moses led the children of Israel out of their bondage in Egypt, God gave the people the Ten Commandments to guide them. And the first commandment that he gave them was that they should have no other gods before him. Now, it seems that God knew that the people, uh, just after they entered into the promised land, would be tempted to bow down to, to idols. And so he gave them this command so that they would know that. And that command still stands for us today, that we should not make any other idols or have any other gods before God. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're probably saying, Matt, now, I don't see... Um, idols made of stone or wood and see people bowing down to them. That's not something I see happening in America. So what exactly are you talking about? Well, let's take a little bit closer look and and, uh, let's dive in deeper. You know, Webster's Dictionary defines idolatry as the worship of a physical object as a god. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I would define idolatry as an extreme 
uh, admiration, a, a love, a reverence for something or, or someone. You could even classify it as an excessive devotion to something. You know, to God, if you ask God what his definition of idolatry is, idolatry can be anything or anyone or any form that comes between us and him. Mm-hmm. God wants our full attention. He wants our undivided love. He wants us to put him first in everything that we do. Nothing should be more precious to us than our Heavenly Father. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 6, 5, that we are to love our Lord, our God, with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our strength. With knowing God's view on idolatry, it it should be clearer for you to see that so many of us are guilty of the sin of idolatry. Dad, as I was preparing for what we're going to be talking about uh, today, I was uh, just doing some research, and I ran across an interesting study. And uh, this study was conducted by the Pew Research Center. Obviously, they're a a secular research organization, Mm. um, but I think their methodologies are are very sound in in the way that they run their polls. And and this one caught my attention um, because the way that they ran this survey is they, they went around and they asked Americans uh, to describe what provides them a sense of meaning, mm-hmm. okay? And I want you to listen to the, the responses. The number one response, 69% said that family is where they get a sense of meaning. Mm-hmm. The second, 34%, was the career. Uh-huh. Uh, third, it was money at 23%. Coming in fourth place was spirituality and faith at 20%. Oh, a close close tie, almost tie here, was friends at 19%. Activities and hobbies at 19%. Health and wellness at 16%. Mm -hmm. Home and surroundings, 13%. And learning or education at 11%. Mm. You know, it's it's amazing to me is that uh, these are the responses, what people said that brings them meaning. Now, the interesting thing about Mm -hmm. Pew Mm -hmm. is when they design studies, they often ask their questions in an indirect form. Right. And so they don't just walk up to you and say, hey, do you practice idolatry? Or, or say, hey, what's most important to you? They phrase right. their questions in a way that, um, in an indirect way, so that they can retrieve the answer that they were looking uh, to get. Mm-hmm. And so in this case, when they're asking people to to tell them what gives them a sense of meaning, mm-hmm. in other words, they're saying, tell me what's most important to you. What do you hold dearest in your life? Right. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we see here that for most Americans, at best, uh, spirituality and faith was number four. Mm-hmm. God came in yeah. fourth place mm-hmm. behind family, career, monies, and then than God. But listen to this, Dad. This is what I found even more shocking, is that the Pew Research Center found that only 29% of of those who uh, profess to be Christians in America claim religion or their spiritual faith to be the most important thing as a source of meaning in their life. Uh Uh-huh. And so here's the headlines. When this broke, this survey is a couple years old now, but I found headlines that ran, and and several people ran with it. The headlines read, in secular surveys, 71% of Christians confess to idolatry. Mm -hmm. It it was interesting to me that even these secular news outlets seemed to to grasp the the concept here of what was being done by Pew. Mm Any time you answered anything other than saying, God is where I get my sense of satisfaction, God is the most important thing Mm -hmm. to me, they identified it correctly as idolatry, and I, and I would appropriately, I think they've appropriately characterized it that way, and I would do it myself. It's the same way. So if we see that the definition of idolatry is an excessive devotion to someone or something, where do you place your devotion? Are you more devoted to God or to the shopping mall? Are you more devoted to God's claim on your life, or are you more focused on leisure or, or work? Or as the survey said, 69% said family. Mm -hmm. God must be first in our life. Think about it. There's only one first place. You can't give 
first place to God plus something else, there's only one first place. It's not possible right. to have two. That in, in uh, Jesus even said in Matthew 20, uh, verse 24 of uh, chapter 6, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. So right there, Jesus is telling us, you can't have two at the top. There has to be one, mm-hmm. and God expects to be that one. Right. He wants that to be, he wants him to be the ultimate uh, precedent in our life. He wants to be first. So what does it look like to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, and all your soul, and all your mind? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about on today's episode. We're going to be mm-hmm. diving in a little bit deeper and and uh, discussing that. And so we're going to be using an acrostic of the word first mm-hmm. to help us remember five things that we need to do to put God first in our life. And so we're going to be, again, using first, F-I-R-S-T. Mm-hmm. And so, Dad, uh, share with our listeners the first one. When we look at F, what does F stand for? Right. The letter F in the word first stands for finances. If you're going to put God first, you have to give him charge of your finances. Money is the number one test of your priorities. Now, you mentioned a while ago, Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said you cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is the God of money. Now, Jesus is saying in this verse, you can't serve God and money at the same time. Now, is serving God more important to you than earning money? Does the headache or the fatigue that keeps you from attending church, also keep you from going to work? What if you were offered a job that pays much more money, but one that would keep you so busy that you would have little time to serve God? How you make such decisions shows what is most important in your heart. Now, Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord by giving Him the first part of all your income, and he will fill your barns to overflow. When it comes to giving, the place to start is with the tithe. Now, by the word tithe, I'm referring to the first 10% of what you earn. The Bible says in Leviticus 27.30 that the tithe is holy unto the Lord. Malachi 3.10, God says, bring all the tithes, the whole tenth, into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my house. Now, in Malachi's time, the temple was the storehouse, the designated place to bring the tithe. Now churches are the designated places to bring the tithe. We're to bring the tithe to the church we attend, and here's why. Now, if you were to go to Bojangles and have lunch with your family, to which establishment would you pay the bill? Would you walk across the road to Taco Bell and give Taco Bell the money for your food? No, that would be crazy. You pay for the food at the place that made the food for you. Likewise, you give your tithe to the church where you go, because that is the place where you're being fed. Now, note again what Malachi 3.10 says. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, we would say church today, so that there will be food in my house. In effect, what this is saying to us is that if we're all faithful tithers, the church will be able to do everything God has called the church to do. There won't be any lack. We tithe, so there will be no lack. Tithing is the system that God has set up on earth to accomplish His work. Your tithe sets your church up for success, but your tithe will also set you and your family up for success. Listen to the rest of Malachi 3.10. God says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. God says, Test me, and see 
if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Now, from this, we see that you can't outgive God. There is nothing like living under the blessings, provision, and abundance that God promises to us and to our families if we obey Him, especially in the matter of tithing. Now, we're to obey Him in a lot of other areas, too. Now, if you want God to bless your finances, even during a recession, you need to tithe. There's no other alternative. If you're going to put God first, you must put Him first when it comes to your finances. Now, today, there are so many people like the little girl who received two coins, one for herself and one for the collection at church. After she accidentally dropped one of the coins down the storm drain, she says, oh, no, there goes the Lord's money. (laughs) All right, Matt, tell us what I stands for in the word first. Yeah, so I stands for interest. And if we're really going to put God at number one in our life, you got to put him first in your interest. And that means in your fun times and your play times and your hobbies, where do you put your energy? Where do you put your effort? Those things that interest you typically is where you're putting all of your your extra uh, energy and effort into. And so um, I would encourage you to, to listen to this story. This was in the April 16, uh, 2016 edition of the Baptist Courier. There was an article that ran, ran that was entitled, Do Christian Parents Flirt? with the idol of sports. The article was written by Todd Hill. He was a guest columnist and a student minister, um, a pastor over at a Presbyterian Church. And he started out by saying, as I walk into the middle school auditorium for a recent school event, uh, another mom asked how I was doing. I told her that our family was grateful uh, that we were able to breathe after finishing uh, up with soccer season. To which she replied, our our family never breathes. She then proceeded to describe how travel soccer overlaps with travel lacrosse all year long, and they were going to try and squeeze basketball into their son's schedule as well. Todd said that after he listened to each responsibility her fam- in her family's schedule, it- she presented it like a badge of honor. He said that by the time she finished, he was exhausted just listening to all the things that were listed out there. From the introduction, he led into the main purpose of his article by saying there's an idolatry problem in our communities related to youth sports. And it's a problem that we see all around us. Even every weekend, we see this even in our own church, uh, Dad, where uh, people would rather spend their time on the ball fields rather than in church. Right. Yeah. Todd even admitted that it's a, a problem in his own heart as well. After stating this idolatry problem, Todd went in to give some guiding principles to help navigate the sports scene. The first principle was that sports are not bad, but he said the problem comes when sports, in particular in uh, kid sports, that we focus in on the success of the kid, and that becomes the first thing, the first place thing in the family's economy. He states that uh, as a principle, he and his wife decided that they would set limits. Community sports programs are always offering more, he said. They will take as much as you're willing to give. He said that his family must say no sometimes to programs or fundraisers or tournaments. In his article, he pointed out that one of the biggest shifts in youth sports in recent years is the consistent use of Sundays as game days. Mm, yeah. He said that his children play soccer or play games on Sunday. However, those games are not the first priority. As a principal, he said that he and his family are committed to attending church together on a weekly basis, even if worshiping together requires them to arrive late or to miss a game. He said that he communicates his priority to the children's coach right up front. 
one of the final pieces of advice that he gave for sports parents is that breathing is not optional. Yeah. Um, it's it's time to check your heart when you get to the point when you say you can't breathe or breathing is not optional. He said that when your schedule is so insane that you can't rest, then it could be that our heart uh, has substantially shifted. According to Todd, we always have time for what's most important to us. If our calendars leave room for nothing but kids' activities, then maybe those activities have become what we value the most. And so, Dad, I think that uh, sports idolatry, that's just one example of an right. interest. But when I think about interests that, that are also out and about, um, I'm a sportsman. I love outdoors. Mm-hmm. Uh, hunting can very well become an idolatry practice for, for a lot of people. Right. You know, if you're going to get out and get in the woods and you're going to bring home a game, well, that means you got to get out there and you got to hunt more. The more you hunt, the more opportunities you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fishing. Uh, sometimes fishing presents an opportunity to be an, be an idol. Golf. Mm-hmm. There's any number of things that we can use as our, our interest and we begin to focus in on it. We want to be the best or be better at it. And we begin to spend more of our time, effort and energy in there. And as we do, that can easily become the first priority in our life, right. putting God at a second position. So I would urge everyone that's listening to us to think about, is it your hobbies? Is it your career? Is it your recreation? What is it that you may be putting in front of Jesus, in front mm-hmm. of God? Right. And if that's the case, we need to get it out of the way. Dad, tell us what R is. Sure, yeah. Uh, R stands for relationships. Now, you must put God first in your family, your marriage, and your friendships. Jesus said in Matthew ten thirty seven, He who loves father and or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now, certainly, as Christians, we are to love our spouses. We're to love our children, but we are not to hold them up higher than God. We're to love God first and foremost. And I'll tell you what, when you love God first and foremost, uh, when a woman's got a man that loves God uh, more than anything in this world, she's going to be esteemed and held right up there under God. And and God just wants to have our our primary love and our love for For other people should not interfere with our love for God. Now, sometimes we're forced to choose between Christ and others. Think about it. What if relatives or friends drop in as we're preparing to go to church? Uh, Do you say, we're going to worship God now. You're welcome to come along. Or if you don't wish to do so, make yourself at home. We'll be back in an hour or so. Or do we think, well, too bad. Can't go to church now. Furthermore, if you want God first in your life, you're going to have to choose your friends carefully. Who your friends are has everything to do with God being first in your life because you become like the people you spend the most time with. If you spend time with people who take God lightly, you will tend to become a casual believer. But if you spend time with people who are committed and take God and His Word seriously, you will become a stronger, more committed Christian. Whoever you spend time with, that is who you're going to be like. Proverbs twelve twenty six says, "...the godly give good advice to their friends." The wicked lead them astray. Carefully choosing your friends is important. It is always easier to pull somebody down than it is to pull somebody up. Put God first in your relationships. Tell us, Matt, what S stands for. 
Yeah, S stands for schedule. And so this means that we should give God the first part of our schedule or the first part of our day. You know, every morning when you get up, you should say, God, if I get nothing else done today, I want to love you a little bit more. I want to live for you a little bit more. and I want to bring you glory. Uh, people that put God first don't make excuses for not studying the Bible and praying daily. That I know this is one of your favorite uh, definitions or, uh, or examples of an excuse. He always says that excuse is a skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. That's right. And so uh, people who put God first don't make excuses. You know, I think it's uh, daily Bible reading and prayer is very important. And um, I've been in the position of of uh, trying to, to work that into a busy day. And I'll be honest, I've had days where I said, you know, I get up in the morning, maybe I woke up late and and said, you know, well, I'll, I'll get to it at, 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 at a break uh, later in the day. And then the break comes and something happens. I don't get it done there. Then I said, well, OK, well, I'll do it on, during lunch and I'll spend some time with, with God during lunch. And then lunch comes and there's another issue at work and I don't even get a lunch. And so mm-hmm. then I said, OK, well, when, when I get home, I'll just take some time and I'll spend it with God at that point. And uh, walk in the door, and then daughter's there, wife's there, and uh, dog's there, and they want to go outside and play. And so I need to spend time with them, and so well, I go outside and play. And then uh, I just keep pushing off, keep pushing off, and the next thing you know, it's late at night. It's 9 or 10 o'clock, and I'm I'm a morning person. I'm not a night person. Mm-hmm. And uh, I say, okay, I need to... I need to do my devotion. I need to spend time talking to God and open the Bible. And uh, you get in Matthew and you start reading maybe the lineage and you go, this person beget that person, that person beget that person. Next thing you know, you know, you sound asleep, sound asleep. And so I found that uh, giving God the first part of my schedule is the best thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Getting up in the morning and, and spending that time with him before I get my day started puts me in a, in the right position for me to go throughout the rest of the day because the devil's going to bring troubles and trials my way. And if I've had that time of worship, had that time of meditation and prayer, putting on the spiritual armor, I'm much prepared for my day right. uh, to go into my day. And, and, um, I, I've, I've learned this through experience that it's best to give God the first part of your day. That's part of putting him first. Here's a, an illustration I think that everyone will, will like. There was an instructor of time management. He was holding a seminar for his participants, and he wanted to give them a, a little bit of a quiz. And so he reached under the table, and he pulled out a large, wide-mouth gallon jar. He set it on the table. Next, he pulled out a number of fist-sized rocks, and he asked the groups, how many rocks do you think will fit inside the jar? And some of the participants, they shouted out guesses. And he said, well, let's find out. And so he began to, to fill the, the jar with these fist-sized rocks until no more could fit into the jar. And so he asked everyone who was listening to him, he said, is the jar full? And the audience, of course, replied, yes, it, it's full. So then he reached below the table and he pulled out a, a bucket of, of gravel. And he began to dump gravel into the jar and he shook it in there. And the gravel began to fill in spaces between the large rocks. He grinned, and, and then he asked again, is the jar full? The participants were not, a be, not ready to be fooled a second time, and so uh, they shouted out, no, the jar is not full. The instructor nodded and said, good, you're catching on. And so he reached down, pulled out a, a bucket of sand. He began to pour the sand into the jar, and the sand slowly filled in all the gaps between the rocks and the gravel. And after the sand had settled, the instructor once again asked, now is the jar full? The audience roared, no. He said, good. Uh, He was pleased that they understood the important principle. 
Next, the instructor uh, pulled out a pitcher of water. And at this point, he began to pour it into the, the sand there and it began to fill in the sand. And he looked at his audience and he said, what is the point of this? And somebody said, well, there are always gaps. And if you work hard at it, you can always fit more into your life. But the instructor said, no. Uh, the point is that if we hadn't have put the big rocks in first, we would have never gotten them in at all. So what should the big rocks be? Well, spending time with the Lord each day, praying and reading his words. Those are the big things, the big rocks that you want to get into your schedule and make sure that they fit into mm-hmm. your jar, quote unquote jar, and then allow everything else to fill in around it so that your day is complete. You know, one of the other things that we need to do with our schedule is making sure that we make time to go to the, the house of God to worship, to go to church. Luke 4.16 says about Jesus, and I'll read that to you. It says, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up and read. Now, this clearly shows here that Jesus went to church. And if going to church was important to Jesus, shouldn't that be important to us? You know, it shouldn't be um, a decision each week whether we're going to go to church or not. That should be something that we put in our schedule as a priority, that we're going to go. Going to church shouldn't be something that is driven by our emotions of how we feel or what the circumstances is. We should never give the excuses of, well, I stayed up late last night or relatives stayed with us or, you know, this coming week's going to be a rough week and so I really need to get rest. We need to make a, a decision that we're going to put God first and we're going to go to church, we're going to worship Him, and we're going to give Him the worship that He is due uh, as we gather with the believers and we sing songs and we pray and we worship together. That is part of putting uh, God first is when you put Him first in your schedule. Dad, tell us what T means. That's right. T means troubles. When trials come, who do you turn to first for help? Let me give you an illustration. A man in a hospital bed was told by his doctor that all that could be done now was to pray. The man responded by saying, oh dear, has it come to that? Well, God should be the first one to whom we turn when we have a problem. Prayer should never be your last resort. It should be your first choice, your first option. But for many people, when they're in a tight situation, prayer is the last resort, not the first option. They do everything they can to try to correct the problem. And when they fail, they say, I guess now all we can do is pray. As I said, prayer should not be your last resort. It should be your first option. Psalm 4610 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 50 verse 15 says, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. If God is first, he's going to be first in your finances, your interests, your relationships, your schedule, and your trouble. That's exactly right. And so, uh, listeners, we've gone through these five things, um, using that first as an acrostic to say, put God first. And remember, as we started there in the introduction, um, it is God's expectation that he be first. Um, And I like to say that uh, God is a jealous God. He wants Mm -hmm. all of us. He wants our attention. 
And, uh, you know, sometimes dad, people say, well, you know, it just seems wrong that I would, you know, I wouldn't care about my family. That's not at all what we're saying, right? Mm-hmm. If you put God first in your life and you're giving him the the first of your love and the first of your efforts and the first of your day and the first of your schedule, I can promise you, you're going to be such a better family member. You're going right. to be a better parent. You're going to be a better uh, sibling. You're going to be a better uh, a daughter or son. You're going to be a better husband, a better wife. Um, because as you're putting your, your focus in there on the time of God and, and you're allowing him and his spirit to work through you, he's making you to be more like him. And that's mm-hmm. what we need to get these relationships right. That's right. You know, we try to do relationships on our own in our own human form, and we will surely fail. Mm-hmm. And so it's not at all saying that you don't love your family. I love my family uh, with all my heart. I do. Uh, but mm-hmm. I also love God with all my heart, and I put him first, mm-hmm. and he comes first. Um, and because of that, that makes me a better family man. Mm-hmm. And so as uh, we're getting ready to wrap this uh, episode up, I just want to encourage everybody uh, to take kind of a survey uh, of your life and think about if you had to ask that question that the Pew Research asked, what brings you the most uh, sense of meaning? Again, that's mm-hmm. an indirect question to get to what is most important to you and what do you mm-hmm. hang your hat on? Um, how would you answer that question? And if you can put anything in there as your number one answer other than, well, it's Jesus and it's my faith in God, mm-hmm. uh, then idolatry may be something that you need to consider. And, right. you know, I think that it's, uh, you know, I started with saying, what is America's biggest sin? We've got listeners all across the world who are listening to this. And I, I can't really speak about other countries because I, I don't know their their cultures and what have you. But I would say they probably struggle with this as well. But I believe right. here in this westernized culture, mm-hmm. uh, we have been so focused in on success and money and materialism. Um, and even as we saw in the, the the poll there, even Christians, even inside the church, we have this tendency to put other things before God, and that's clearly not what we're supposed to do. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. A man purchased a statue of Christ at an auction and put it in the living room. The next day, his wife decided the statue belonged in a different room. When their five-year-old daughter saw her mother moving the statue, she blurted out, Where are you going to put God? Well, that's a good question. Where are you going to put God? Will he have the first place in your life? Or will you stick him in some out-of-the-way place where he won't cause any trouble? God must be first. That's exactly right. So listeners, I encourage you to do that assessment. What's first in your life? If it's not God, you need to confess that and get that off of that first position. Put God in that place uh, where he rightfully should be. And then you go watch all those other things that you cared about. It They're still there. And in fact, they'll probably be more enriched and more blessed uh, for you putting uh, positionally in the right spot where you're supposed to be. And so uh, as you go forward into this week, uh, my prayer for you is that you would put God first and everything that you do. Dad, will you pray us out of here? Sure. Our Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your love for us. And Lord, you put us in an exalted position, first place, when you loved us enough to send your son Jesus down here to pay the penalty for our sin. You put our needs, Lord, before you put your own. And Jesus suffered on that cross and died to pay the penalty for our sins. And and you sent him here to do that, Lord. You loved us that much. And God, I pray that we will, in turn, out of gratitude for what you've done for us, put you first in our lives each and every day. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonfire Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. 
If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com.